find where I fit in, believe me Life ain't no game and nothing good comes freely I done learned the hard way, burns and you turns up I done seen the hard days, learn from my mistakes What mama told me, just hit the pause play We don't rewind, gotta let God set the pace, set the race Call the shots It's hard knowing that you hot when you stuck up on the block Come on. Knowing you can cook but can't afford the pot Told me that he loved me, never got a rock so much pain here, God make it stop That's when I found Nas, found Biggie, found Pop Around the same time when my father got locked And then he moved away and left my mom with a knot A knot in a heart that hasn't yes. yet left yes. And it's a safe bet, she okay. lost all her respect I still love you, Dad Taking all that you've given me And I'm still standing Go ain't have a pot to piss on Tell me something though What's up my corporate climbers It's your girl D And my co-host Sparky <laughs> That's right, that's right And together we bring to you Streaming new episodes yes. Every Tuesday at 7.30am Eastern Standard Time On all major podcast platforms The Corporate Woo-hoo. Climb Show Happy Tuesday June 21st And happy summer Can you believe it? We're finally here I can believe it Because if you're in New Jersey Last Friday It felt like summer And then over the weekend It felt like (laughs) spring We have this very inconsistent weather thing That's been going on the last couple of years In New Jersey All my New Jersey people You know exactly what I'm talking about You go to Lowe's and Home Depot And you know your garden center Whatever you get your flowers In your specific zones that you're supposed to You plant them according to the directions You plant them you know after frost And it tells you they're supposed to bloom in spring But New Jersey has been confused for a while So when your azaleas are supposed to bloom, they kind of bloom and then they just go away and die. And then your strawberries come out and then they stop coming. And then your roses like just bloom all out of nowhere, like really early spring. And you're like, uh, you're a summer plant. So I'm confused. And we've been going through this situation for a while. My tiger lilies, one of them has made it past the wind gust. And it is about four feet tall at this point. And I'm just very, very, very confused. It's been crazy the last couple of years. And I blame that on global warming, which is exactly one of, well, it's one of the reasons why I'm so proud to have uh, the opportunity to work with a company that is fighting the battle of sustainability and making the world and the earth a better place. But I'm super excited to deliver this episode of season two to you. Because as promised, I told you this season, what I was going to do was bring to you New Jersey recording artists and incorporate them into our business podcast. And in my research, I've discovered a young lady out of Montclair, New Jersey. Her name is Annie Blackman. In her video called Pickets, released in April of this year, she actually has full photos or footage of 
Montclair High School. Shout out to Montclair High School. I used to work in Montclair. And you can, if you're familiar with Montclair, the video is definitely shot in Montclair in the Secaucus train station. And Annie does an amazing job, an amazing job at capturing Montclair and capturing the emotions and just, she's so creative. And I just want you to listen and feel the vibe of this record called Pickets by Annie Blackman, directed and edited by Katrina Peterson, photography done by Zach Reichermeer, starring Annie. And then if you go on YouTube, she gives a big shout out to Sarah Hoffman, Emma Blackman, and Daniel Blackman. So I'm assuming that her career is supported by a big old friends and family affair, which I love, 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 because as a recording artist, you have to have a good team behind you and supportive family is so important. So take a listen to Pickets by Annie Blackman. Montclair, shout out to you, my old stomping grounds. Shout out to Parabolic Performance and Rehab for launching, giving me the opportunity to launch my HR career. Much respect. What's up, Steve? Unencumbered on the train Cause I know all the station names in order But I'll list them just to check Goes Newark to Secaucus And your shoulder underneath my hand Man, I could've called it panning out so bad again Something I practice as and I shatter I see my teeth. You say nice things and not to show I'm listening. Can't predict the feeling, but I bet I'll be mixed up. So gesture for a final light and state the stillness of the night. Little lost and little gained when he goes back inside. Montclair, New Jersey, big shout out to you. I have this feeling. I have this feeling. I told y'all season two, episode one, that I was going to play good music on this show, not anybody's music. I've had several people email me. First and foremost, I received your music. I'm listening to it. Thank you so much. However, some of it just isn't gonna cut the chase. I have a particular taste in music. It's called good music to me. And I did not get a submission from Annie. Me and Annie do not know each other. We probably don't even know the same people. And if we do, well, that's just how the universe connects people and the stars align. 
But Annie did not send me her music. She did not request for me to play her music on the show. I just happened to be doing my due diligence and my research for the show because I prepare. And when I came across her YouTube page, I went, this individual, this young lady has what we like to call in the music industry, the it factor. The it factor, ladies and gentlemen, the it factor means that this person captures creativity, uniqueness, the hmm, I wonder, I'm interested. The genuineness, the authenticity, and just something about the person just allows you to know that no matter five subscribers, 20 followers, 352 subscribers on her YouTube page today, no matter how many views, it doesn't matter. This person's got something that at some point in time, the right person is going to hear or see during a live show or a recorded show and go, I want to work with them. They're going to be somebody one day and I'm going to back that. I'm going to back that. I'm going to support that and me, this individual and their support team, their dream team that they've established, which it looks like Annie has, which looks to me to be her family, which is the best way to go about it. So long as you trust your family, we are all going to capitalize off this situation that we've created because this person has that it. Not everybody has the it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Not everybody has the it, and that's okay. You don't, not everyone is born with an it factor. Some people are born to play a part in someone else's development who has the it factor. That way they can go on to do rock star stuff that influences some rock star things that go on to get bills passed in Congress, that go on to get documents made that air on larger platforms that go on to influence somebody who does some rock star things who may go on to be the next president of the United States of America that then goes on to do another rock star thing that domino effects into motivating somebody else. Or that person goes on to create a rock star record like we are the world, Michael Jackson, right? That brings a bunch of people from different backgrounds together to create a united force that says, let's do this as one and end the war on racism because we are the world. We're in this together. You think that record Michael Jackson was just like laying in the bathtub one day and went, I'm going to write this record called We Are the World and I'm going to have people from all walks of life, all different colors, all different octaves come to a recording studio. I'm going to pay for it and voila, magic's going to happen and I am going to motivate people. That's not how it works. That is so not how it works. An idea the baseline for an idea is sparked by influences. Influences are created by people and things. 
not just one thought while you're laying in the bathroom. Those thoughts are put into your brain by observations that you see throughout your day, your minutes, your moments, your hours, your years on this earth. And the only way you are able to receive those hours, minutes, moments are by networking with other people who have other networks and other experiences that they put into your atmosphere. And then that person with the it factor can go on to display it on a bigger platform, on a different stage. That's how you create a domino effect. So after my ramble, what I want to go on and say is this. Annie, if you're listening, girl, you got it. You got this Atlantis Morset vibe. You got it. And just for the record, when I was a kid, Alanis Morset dropped this album called The Jagged Little Pill. And back then, me and my friend Maggie Newman were obsessed. We had no idea at that young age that that album, that that individual would go on a million years later to have a Broadway show off of that album. Janet didn't lay in her bathtub one day and have this great idea that she was going to write this album and that a million years later it was going on to be a Broadway play. Oh, no, 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 that's not how it works. But she had this it factor and people grabbed onto the it factor and it took many, many players and many, many situations and tons of resources and a lot of finances to then pave that journey, pave that way, tons of support to allow that album that at some point in time, many people forgot about, that resurfaced again and went on to create that jagged little pill play that some little kids went on to go, hey, that's a really cool song. And us adults were like, yeah, that that song is way old. That album is considered a classic. Many of us have that album as a vinyl. Hands up if you do, my hand is up. (laughs) So Annie, keep doing what you're doing. Keep going. Continue to keep your support system tight. Because as you continue on in your climb, you're going to encounter what I like to call vultures. Vultures are people that come into your life to mooch. Take what they can out of you, whether it's a resource or your energy, because it benefits them. Recognize who a vulture is and recognize who your red robins are. Recognize who your true angels are, your support system, your red robins, and recognize who your vultures are. Know the difference. Keep the squares out your circle and keep on going because you're giving me Alanis Morissette vibes. Yes, 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 yes. Big shout out to Montclair, New Jersey. Every time I think about Montclair, New Jersey, I think about parabolic performance and rehab. Again, big shout out to Steve, CEO of Parabolic Performance and Rehab, who gave me the opportunity to even tap into this thing called HR. Big shout out to my former supervisor turned friend, Jasenia. Big shout out to Dr. Matthew Cefeli. I just have to give credit where it's due. <laughs> but I always think about 
Bobby Brown. Yes, the makeup artist, Bobby Brown. One day, I ran into Bobby Brown, and for the record, I had no idea. I'm Puerto Rican and black, and honestly, guys, I didn't start, and gals, I didn't start getting into makeup until very, very recently. I, I've always had been blessed with good skin, so I've just never really done the makeup thing and my mom never really pushed it we never like spent moments as a child in the mirror doing makeup and applying foundation all that crap I learned in my late 20s early 30s how to you know put the foundation on what the concealer meant do the eyeshadow da 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 and I just very recently like a couple weeks ago learned what toner was like I'm very makeup not smartish so one day <laughs> I ran into Bobby and someone was like, do you know who that is? That's Bobby Brown. And I looked at them and I went, uh, that's not Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown is a black man um, who was married to Whitney Houston. And that's definitely not Bobby Brown. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's Bobby Brown, the makeup artist. And I was like, um, what? So anyway, I and, and by the way, I've never been like starstruck. Like I've met a lot of celebrities because in my previous life, I told you I was in studios a lot. I've never been like, ah! Bobby Brown, ah, P. Diddy, ah, da, da, da. and I've, I've encountered some of these people in my life, right, so I, I've just, like, you know, several, I can tell you several stories that I just, people were like, what were you thinking, you had the opportunity right in front of your face, and you just had a casual conversation, I'm like, yeah, whatever, they're people, so anyway, fast forward, I run into Bobby, and she's, like, talking and talking to her friend, I think, actually, her friend's name was Ann, or Annie, actually, and, uh, coincidentally, <laughs> And they're like ranting and raving about Toto toilets. I don't think Bobby's going to remember this conversation, but if you're listening and you do, I'm sorry. When I think about you, I don't think about makeup. I think about Toto toilets respectfully. They were talking about how her friend or someone had just got back from vacation and something about the hotel. But anyway, they were raving about Toto toilets. And I, I you know, at the time, guys, honestly, I, 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 again, I was probably making like no money an hour and I just had no, I, I didn't know my ass from my elbow as Dr. Matt would say. And I'm like, um, Bobby, what's a Toto toilet? And she's like, <gasps> Toto toilet is the best experience, the best bathroom experience you'll ever have. She's going into detail specifics, right? the toilet seat heats up, it lights up, it, it's automatic, it's like a boudet, it washes your butt, whatever, whatever. Her friend is like laughing and whatever. They go about their business. I go about mine. Never thought about it again. Well, I, I always thought about it, but not always. But you know what I'm trying to say? Like when someone brought up Bobby Brown, I didn't think about makeup. I'm like, oh, I've known her in my past life. Sure. In passing. And I only think about Toto toilets. So that is the story behind myself and the encounter with Bobby Brown. Fast forward into my 30s. My friend goes to buy a house in West Palm Beach. So she's showing me pictures of her house recently. And I'm like, oh, it's, just, it's a dope house. You know, she's like in the PGA world. Got a house right on a, a specific hole or whatever. Um, so whatever. She's all excited. I'm like, yeah, dude, you don't even watch golf. But sure, why not? And um, I'm like scroll back to that picture real quick she's like what my bathroom i'm like yeah i'm like holy shit you have a toto toilet she's like i have a what i'm like you have a toto she's like how do you 
how do you know about this Toto toilet? And I apologize in the background. My phone just wants to go off as I'm recording on air. And um, how do you know? How do you look at a toilet and identify it as if you were looking at a Mercedes Benz? I'm like, that is the Mercedes Benz of toilet seats. And I tell her the story about Bobby Brown. And she starts cracking the fuck up laughing. She goes, you're part of my language. She goes, when people think about Bobby Brown, they think about makeup. She's like a icon when it comes to makeup. I said, well, one, respectfully, Bobby, I've never even used your makeup. I I, I wouldn't even know where to buy unless I went on Amazon. Um, that's respectfully. I'm telling you guys, I'm not like I, I buy, go to Walmart and I buy Maybelline and it works just fine for me. And it's in my it's in my affordability bracket. You know, stay in your financial lane. If there's one thing you're going to learn from this, this show today, corporate climbers, please stay in your financial lane. You do not have to keep up with the Joneses. Keep up with yourself. Anyway, Bobby Brown's makeup. I never even looked at the price, but I'm assuming it's probably not in my financial lane. So Maybelline works just fine with my skin getting it from walmart anyway like she's like most people think about bobby brown they think about an icon and i'm like in makeup i'm like well yeah i just think about toto toilets so thank you bobby for allowing me to identify the mercedes benz of toilets and now in my next home that i buy you better believe hands down because i'm getting to a point in my life where my financial lane is beginning to shift where i can request things like toto toilets Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you better believe because I've seen now in the real life flesh because of my friend what this toilet can actually do. She walks into the bathroom and it just lights up. The toilet seat lifts up for herself. She plops her butt down. The seat warms up when she takes a (laughs) poo-poo. It cleans her butt automatically. What in the world? That is the best $8,000 purchase that you can probably make, well, one of them, in your life. Highly recommend a Total wow. Toilet. So thank you, Bobby, for wow. that. You should get a check from Total right now because that's just incredible. You know what? I, I, I need to say this. First and foremost, thank you so much, Toto and Mrs. Bobby Brown, Miss Bobby Brown, for taking up 10 minutes of our business podcast to talk about toilet seats. Is this what it's come down to, D? Are you at this point in your life where you get excited about toilet seats? I'm just confused because you don't ever really get excited about celebrity encounters. You don't get excited about, you know, the things that most people get excited about. But when it comes to toilets and gardening and homework, you know, the do-it-yourself projects, you can go on a rampage for the whole darn episode to a point where I'm pretty convinced we now have to extend 30 minutes to 40 minutes just to get into today's topic. So do you mind if I introduce today's topic so we can move on with the show's purpose? Because ladies and gentlemen, there's a purpose to this program. It is merging business with culture, merging our HR corporate climbs and our professional corporate climbs with Music. So, Dee, do you mind? Can we can we uh, proceed with the program? Thank you so much, though, for giving free advertisement to Toto Toilets. And big shout out to Annie Blackman. Keep doing what you're doing. Hey, listen, I don't mind at all. And I don't do this for the money, so to speak. You know, I don't. I really don't. We don't get it. For, to the audience, just so you know, when I'm giving shout outs to artists and, you know, just advertising for, you know, we, we've given shout outs to integrity and, and all the, and all those things. Um, I, I don't get a check from anybody at all. No one calls me up and it's like, I'm going to give you, you know, 
a hundred bucks, five hundred bucks, five thousand dollars to shout out my business and shout out my, you know, my chapter on your on your podcast. That I'm not at that point in my career. Um, would I like to be there? Sure, one day, but I'm not there now. Um, this is literally all out of love. I love what I do. I love this podcast. I absolutely love the fact that I am finally comfortable and confident enough to put it all out there and not ask for permission nor ask for forgiveness. I take this and I say this to you in love. Um, I, I, I'm beyond the point where I give a darn about how anyone feels about what I do with my life. If it's in my heart and in my soul and in my mind and in my body to do something, I'm going to do it, especially if all of them connect and tell me to do it. And this show is just in my whole being to just move forward with. So I'm not getting no check from Bobby Brown or Total Toilets or HRMA of Princeton. Shout out to you. Garden State Council of Sherem. Shout out to you. Soul Hire. Shout out to you for shouting out and putting light on certain things again i do not know any black men not getting any you know you know kickbacks from that any uh you know youtube checks for playing music none of that and no no checks from spotify not, 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 none of that is happening i'm literally doing this out of the pure love i have for this show I have been talking about doing a podcast for years. I'm finally able to do it. I finally stopped procrastinating and I got up off my butt one day and was like, let's go. Let's, let's get this ball rolling. And I just did it. And so I, I encourage you, if you have something in your mind, body, and soul that is telling you, just do it like Nike, then just do it. Seriously, just do it. You want to open up a McDonald's franchise? Just do it. It's like a million dollars, but you can take out a loan. And if you really believe in yourself that much, go to the bank. Make sure your credit is right. If you need a co-signer, make sure you have the right co-signer. Get yourself a business partner that you trust. Map out a plan and just do it. Just do it. You don't have to make things so complicated just do it just do it life is too short to sit here and procrastinate which is so funny that i'm saying that because i literally just got off a business meeting not too long ago with the gentleman i met at the sherem annual event one of the speakers i'm gonna leave you on the edge of your seat with that more to come i will be on a podcast on Saturday, well, we're recording Saturday. I'll be on a podcast in the upcoming weeks with a known person in the HR world that I met at the Sherem annual event that was in New Orleans this year. I was supposed to be in New Orleans this year, but due to circumstances, I had to exchange my in-person pass for a virtual pass. And in my virtual sessions, I ended up connecting with one of their main speakers. Y'all, I'm one of those people that, uh, listen, I'm going to make light of any situation. I really am. I was super bummed about not being able to go to New Orleans. I had booked my ticket. I was staying at the Ritz-Carlton, but then life happened. We talked about that two episodes ago, and I couldn't go. But 
um, is in a virtual live session. This speaker really grabbed my attention. I'm going to leave you with a cliffhanger. I'm going to leave him nameless for now. Tune in to our LinkedIn page and our website. You'll learn more about it. And I just reached out. I was like, yo, man, listen, like you were one of the best speakers, if not the best speaker that I, I listened to. My attention span is very, very short. I tuned into the seminars, but I was kind of like listening on one ear and doing work on the other. But this gentleman, his whole lecture, I was tuned all the way in and participating in the chat. I was locked and loaded. So I reached out to him on LinkedIn and I told him, you know, hey man, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he actually responded because it's a human being and I'm a human being. And I guess real recognizes real, humans acknowledge each other. And in a few days, I'm not even joking with you, we got on a call and set this, you know, situation up where I would join his podcast. And, and there you have it. And that's networking at its finest. Everything happens for a reason. I say this to say that. We connected off the strength of podcasting. Eh? Eh? Which tells you what? For years, I've had this feeling in my gut, in my belly, do a podcast, launch your podcast. I've been telling my HR in May chapter, I'm going to do this podcast, I'm going to do this podcast. I was young 20s, I'm going to do this podcast, I'm going to do this podcast, mid 20s, I'm going to do this podcast, late 20s, I'm going to do this podcast. So like, you guys get the point. And I wasn't doing it. My 30s hit, 30, 31, 32, whatever it may be. I'm gonna just, I don't do it. Finally, I do it. And we're in six countries, seven now, right? This this week, Sparky, thanks to the stats, seven countries. New listeners every week. I attend a virtual Sharem event. I connect with one of the main speakers. He acknowledges the podcast that I'm doing. I acknowledge his speaking event, his, 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 his conversation. And we connect on the strength of the podcast common denominator. Anything that you are feeling in the pit bottom of your belly, in the soul of your heart, in the core of your being, in your mind, if all the dots connect, I don't care if your mama tells you don't do it. If all of you is telling you to do it and it is morally correct and legal and you are not going to end up dead, you know, worst case scenario, uh, you know, I mean, but there's some, there's some careers that that's the risk you take. That's the disclaimers you sign. You know, you're going to want to be a professional skydiver. There's a likelihood that you pull the parachute. It doesn't, you know, shoot out. And that, that, that's the risk you take. So whatever it may be, but in your worst case scenario, but if it, you know, if it's legal at the very least, and you really want to do it, so long as it's legal, so long as you're not going to hurt yourself or other people, especially people that you love. I'm talking really hurt. I'm not talking like just hurt on the surface because they don't want you to do it. And they're like embarrassed because maybe you want to be a rapper and they're like, oh, no, no, no. I, I want you to be a preacher. Like you shouldn't be a rapper, da, 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 whatever. That's surface level hurt. Get over it. They'll get over it eventually. Chase your dreams. Chase that feeling in the gut of your belly, in the core of your heart, in the back and front of your mind. 
because I'm telling you right now, it will eat at you for the rest of your life if you just don't try. If you just don't try, it will eat at you. You will toss and turn. You will end up with anxiety, depression, stress, and stress kills. You'll end up with heartache and heartache kills. Heartache is, is stress. It kills. It really does literally kill people. Chase your dreams. But y'all, we're just getting started. This is going to be an extended episode. We're not even ready to talk about what we have prepared to talk about today. But we're going to have to make what we're talking about quick. We are continuing on with our series of You're Doing Too Much. Another sign of doing too much, if you're just tuned in, we have been talking about for the last three, well, this is the third episode, but the last two episodes, we were talking about signs to know when you're doing too much. And last week we addressed workaholism, when you are completely identifying, identifying yourself with work. When anytime someone thinks about you, all they think about is your career because you have no other identification. You are so absorbed into your work oversaturated in your work when people think about you they're like oh yeah if i'm using myself as an example oh yeah d oh yeah she does hr well that's d that's danielle that's who she is oh yeah i mean she's like day and night at work all she does is hr i mean she has benefits payroll employee conflict you know performance evaluations brand ambassador employee ambassador advocate that, that's danielle she's always on the phone with an attorney you know always working with finance Always uh, recruiting, always onboarding, and sometimes offboarding, and yeah, that, that's that's Danielle. Always strategizing with leadership. Always on the phone talking to her friends and family about HR tactics and da 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 and who blah blah. And half the time we're not even listening because we don't even know what she's talking about or we're not interested. Yeah, that's Danielle. She's like an HR junkie. That's all they can identify you as. You're doing too much when it comes to work. You're doing too much and not enough, all in the same breath. So that's what we talked about last week. But this week, this week, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, another sign of doing too much is something that we see a lot in, in the HR world, unfortunately. It's when you've become emotionally numb, emotional numbness, when you lose the capacity for empathy. And then sometimes you know the sign of losing this losing this this skill this empathetic skill is judging people who are emotionally numb without exploring why they got there let me give an example because it's a it's a double-edged sword right so let's say you lose your job you go into the hr office the HR person gives you the speech. It sounds very robotic. Hey, such and such. Please take a seat. <sighs> Listen. What I'm going to tell you may or may not be a surprise to you. But effective today, the company has decided that today will be your last day. What we need you to do is gather all your belongings. We're going to give you time to do that after this meeting and leave all your property here with me. And, you know, we will go over 
your last paycheck. We're going to do that now. Anything regarding your health benefits, we're going to do that now. What I'm also going to do is follow up with everything we've gone over today in an email. And at your request, I'll also put the documents in the U.S. mail. That way you can have physical printouts at your home. You hardly blink as an HR professional as you're making full eye contact with the individual who is watering in their eyes across the table from you. Their manager could be in the room. You're not looking at them. Your body language is stiff. They start to go down this emotional roller coaster. Family, I just got married. My kid's sick. You don't understand. This is wrong. Maybe they go into a rage. Then they start to tell you how messed up the job is and how, you know, racially profiled they may feel if that's the case. And you sit there as the HR professional and you nod. You still make that plain Jane Blaine eye contact. You hardly blink. And you say, thank you for telling me how you feel. It's been well received. I will note everything and I will review it with the team. And if we have any feedback to provide to you, I will follow up with you in the days ahead. Here's your stuff. If you please don't mind, you have five, 10 minutes to gather your belongings. Such and such will escort you around to get what you need to get. And we're gonna ask you to leave the building. You get up, you extend your hand, you say it's nice to meet you, it was nice to be working with you, and you proceed about your day. When they leave your office, you take a deep breath and you go right back to your emails and the day proceeds. Does that sound familiar to any of you? <sighs> yeah, I bet it does. Very robotic. See, I just created this, this, this story, this picture of an HR professional who one is doing their job the way they're supposed to be offboarding somebody. But what I also told you in that story was they hardly blinked. There was plain Jane Blaine eye contact. They didn't even acknowledge the manager to the left or right of them. And after a certain robotic they said okay they stood up they extended their hand they said it was nice working with you and that the door opened and that was the rest they turned their chair around and went right back to their emails that was it they left no room for conversation they left no room for anything anything in between and sometimes you have to do that as an HR professional sometimes the, the offboarding the termination process is so um, strict, maybe there's legal involved that you have to follow a script. Maybe the attorney has advised you to do that and you have to do that for the sake of your job and the safety of others and the protection of the organization. But there's a time and a place for everything and it's okay to read the room and it's okay to relax your shoulders a little bit in these moments and hear somebody out because maybe, quite maybe, in the midst of you hearing the other side you may catch something that you did not know that you should have been informed of 
when the manager or executive or whoever it was, was providing you reasons for the termination that they left out that you go, Oh, maybe not out loud but in the back of your mind, you go, Oh, I need to call the attorney after this and let them know we might have to, uh, change the documentation up a little bit because I was not aware. Some of us go into these conversations in these meetings and we're so robotic and we just want the conversation to be over that we are not even listening to the person on the other end of the conversation. We are emotionally numb. We are emotionally checked out. Do you know why you've become emotionally checked out? It's quite possibly because you're doing too much. It's because you have so many other things going on that when you've literally just rocked someone else's world, when their world is up in flames, you are able at 3000% to extend your hand, sorry, get up out of your seat in the best form and position possible, your posture is impeccable, extend your hand, say it was really nice to work with you, force an extension of their hand because it's the only thing that their body is really going to do unless they're extremely rude shake it firmly show them the direction to your door and tell them the rules on how they are to proceed to go about the chaos that is about to go off in their world when they exit your office you then proceed to follow slowly close your door silently let the door handle silently snip snap click walk back to your desk without a care in the world sit in your seat turn your chair open up microsoft outlook look at your emails and proceed to carry out your day and then go home at night and not think twice about it You've totally dismissed anything that that person has told you, even if it may have cost the company, even if it may have meant you being a little bit more empathetic to their personal situation, because maybe they weren't terminated because of their performance. Maybe they were terminated because the business was changing directions. And maybe they may have told you something about their family situation. And maybe they weren't being offered Cobra, but there was something in you, that empathetic being in you that once was there that would have probably went back to your supervisor and said, you know what? I think we need to make an exception here. I'm a human. They just had a child. Let's do one month of Cobra. Let's do two months of Cobra. Let's increase that severance package by one week. Let's just get them through the hump. And maybe that empathetic communication or that empathy skill that you have may have saved the company from the legal letter that they're going to receive in the weeks ahead by that person's counsel from making all types of claims that would have caught the entire organization off guard because that person is so angry and maybe all of that could have been kept at bay had you just showed a little bit more of empathy in that conversation and not so much roboticness.
right? Even if you have to be robotic and even if you have to stick to the script, let's take that back. Even if you have to stick to the script, because sometimes you just got to stick to the script. That comes with the job a lot in HR. You got to stick to the script. But maybe your body language is showing I'm sticking to the script and don't care what you say. And that is great. But I can't wait till you leave my office so I can get back to my emails and process payroll. And then I can go to lunch. And then after lunch, I have three more hours until I can get on the road and go home to my family. And then later on, I can go watch my novellas. And then I can take a shower and go to sleep. Your problems are not my problems. Goodbye. Please get out my office. Yeah, that could be what you're thinking, but you don't have to display that to that person. Your body language is also sending off a lot of nonverbal cues that are actually sending off more verbiage than what's actually coming out of your mouth. Eh? Eh? Think about it. I'm just saying. Have a little bit of empathy, even if you don't want to. Even if all you care about is that apple walnut salad from Panera Bread that you've been craving all week and finally you have a day, a cheat day where you can have some fast food and you don't want to just like make yourself feel like crap so you figure a salad from Panera is going to just check off that fast food craving that you've had for weeks on end and you just want to get out of that meeting to have that apple walnut salad and you might even eat the bread on the side versus ordering an apple because you don't care about the extra 0.7 pounds that you will gain when you have to step on the scale because Weight Watchers makes you weigh yourself once a week. And for one day, you just wanna say, screw the points. Today's the day I get to screw the points. And all I have to do is get through this termination. <sighs> robot, 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 blah, 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 blah. Great, bye. You don't have to be that person. Have a little empathy. And if you can't, you can't pull that empathy out of your system, then quite honestly, you're doing two things or maybe both simultaneously. You're either doing too much or you are completely burnt out. And it may be time to either take a step back and go on vacation or reconsider your occupation and find something else to do. I'm just saying. I know this episode is going on a little bit longer than we typically do, but this is such an important topic. This is such an important topic, y'all, because we've seen it, not just in HR, where we have professionals that are completely burnt out in the field, that you're just like, man, when are they gonna retire? Because they just don't care about people and your job is people. You're an HR to be the advocate for people. But we've seen it too much when you become emotionally numb. We've not only seen it in HR, we see it with teachers. And it's not their fault. They've seen too much. Too much is going on, right? But these poor teachers, they got the virtual world. They got the shootings. They got the parents. They got the kids. And they're trying to figure out their identities. And there's the eating disorders. And then there's, you know, all the the, the, the terrorist stuff that goes on in the world. And the racism and the hate crimes. And it's just all these emotional things. And at the end of the day, how much can one person take? You become emotionally numb. And they don't pay you enough to be able to just take a, take a vacation. And when you do take a vacation, you have to find a substitute. And there's a substitute shortage right now. So when you go put in your vacation, it gets denied anyway. And you finally saved up enough just to go to Orlando, Florida for three days with your husband and children. And your vacation gets denied because there's a teacher shortage. Because nobody wants the job that requires all of that energy and not enough pay. So you become emotionally numb. 
So now you're just going through your days because you're just like, listen, retirement's in five years. Retirement's in four years. It's in three years. I get my full pension. I get to be out. I get my full pension. I get to be out. I get my full pension. I get to be out. I get my full pension. I get to be out. I'm almost done with these darn kids. But when you started your career, you were all about saving the youth. You were all about helping kids find their gift. That way they can go on to be the next president. And now all you can think about is getting the hell up out of that jail. That is somebody's school. So you can retire and collect your pension. That way you don't have to ask for permission to spend three days in Orlando with your children and your husband or your wife. You become emotionally numb. <laughs> Many of you can relate to that. I've recently uh, spent a lot of my days at a hospital uh, due to some circumstances I talked about in the, in the episodes back. And I, I see how hard at work these nurses are and the doctors and the housekeepers and the patient care monitors and the front desk staff and the security guards and everybody else and, and, and people in the cafeteria, the cooks. And I look at some of them, the ones that are just starting, because, you know, you get to know some of the people. You go to the hospital enough. It's been about a month now. People know you, you know them, and you start to ask them how they got their jobs because sometimes you're just sitting there and you know, you need something to pass the time. So people just start telling you their stories. And it's always interesting to me because the ones who just started their job, they're so excited. They got all this energy in this life and they're like, yeah, I just enrolled in nursing school. And right now I'm a CT and in two years I'm gonna be done. Da -da -da. But then there's some folks that have been in the nursing profession or the doc they've been in their you know doctor profession their specialties for 10 15 20 30 years and when you ask them their story it's very short and sweet and to the point oh i'm this or i'm that and yeah i've been here for you know 10 years and the conversation is is dry they check the patient they leave i've had one person and I've probably talked to, we'll call it 30 people upwards of that that work in that hospital. One person, a, 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 a new nurse, they just became a nurse last two years. When I was sitting there with my friend, she looked at me and she says, I have a question. Sorry if I'm being invasive, but I just want to ask you, how are you doing? And I looked at her kind of stunned because no one in that hospital staff, no matter how many days I've been there in and out, one hour, seven hours, 10 hours, has ever asked me in the last four weeks, with the exception of the other day, how are you? We have become emotionally numb because we are doing too much. We have too much going on and it's very sad and it's not healthy. When you find yourself in a position where you've become emotionally numb, I'm not saying quit your job. I'm saying take a step back and go on vacation or take a step back and dedicate 10 minutes of your day to doing um, meditation. You may find that it's helpful. You may find that you start to reconnect yourself with being aware of other people and not yourself. In the fine words of my aunt, Titi Tony, 
I've said this before, I'm going to say this again on the show. You are not that important. If the world, your world stopped today, I assure you other people's worlds would continue to go. Take a moment, breathe and ask someone how they are doing. It makes a difference and it's bigger than just how are you doing? It's bigger than that. It can save a life. It can save lives by just having a little bit more empathy. Trust me. Trust me on that. You all have no idea. If people had a little bit more emotion, empathy, they were a little bit more human. You could save lives. People die every year of stress and suicide. And it is because we become emotionally numb. Because we are so self-absorbed, we fail to ask a stranger or someone who we are familiar with, how are you doing? Guys, gals, we have to do better. We have to do better. Catch yourself before you wreck yourself. Catch yourself before you wreck yourself. You're doing too much. Here's Annie Blackman, why we met. Clock the curvature from your chin down to your chest. You'd never tell me if you wonder why we met. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Corporate Climb Show. Until next week, have a great remainder to your week. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. See ya. When I jump up on the stage and just kill Mike, and I write and I quote, it's just words on a note, but these words give me hope that I'll grow and I'll blow. And I'll get better with time And I'll age like fine wine As I sign the dotted line Taking all that you've given me And I'm still standing Yeah, I'm still standing And when the dust clears there I'll be Cause I'm still standing Yeah, I'm still
I'm still 